Welcome to the Revival Center Podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and thoughts from our church. We hope you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. custom to stand at this time. We're only going to read two verses. Uh, it's going to be our jumping off point uh, for our subject today. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. He, the question was up to seven times. Verse 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. You see what Peter was doing right there was trying to figure out how much can I get by with? What's the least amount I can do and still be saved? Huh? What's the least I can do and still make it to heaven? That's what he was doing. I'll forgive him seven times, but on that eighth time, I'm coming for you. And Jesus says, no, you got to go all the way in, 70 times seven. Let's pray as we talk about happy hearts part two. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your presence. Open up our hearts. Let us receive this word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. Well, as we get started today, is obviously Valentine's Day. Uh, there's different stories and different accounts on why we celebrate Valentine's Day, where it comes from. And if you begin to study it out, you're going to find different stories and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, this is the gist of it right here. Uh, it is observed in memory of a Saint Valentine. That was his name, Saint Valentine, who is said to have been executed on February the 14th, 470 A.D. or two. 278 AD. I found both um, times. He was executed for performing Christian weddings for Roman soldiers in which was a violation of the Roman law. And as he was in prison waiting to be executed, um, he fell in love with somebody and he signed the last letter before he was to be executed. Uh, he wrote the little letter out and he said, from my, uh, from your Valentine. And that's kind of where this idea comes from and the inspiration to make Valentine's Day what it is today. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's tied to selling more cards. Come on, somebody. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. I don't want to. But selling more, making money. Come on. I think that's what it's kind of tied to. It's chocolate and flowers and cards. Anyways, it, we, we understand it to be tied to love. We understand it to be tied to relationships and to marriages or uh, whatever the case may be. And when viewed in terms of love through the context of Scripture, love is the greatest of all of the eternal virtues. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 uh, phrases it like this right here. And now now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. In other words, the Bible wants us to understand that love will never become obsolete, nor will it ever become invalid. John 13, verse 35, Jesus uh, frames this love factor like this. By this, all will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. With that being said, my assignment from the Holy Spirit this morning is to challenge you to walk in the more excellent way of love, which is to focus on forgiveness. If you're going to have a long-lasting relationship with any human being, I don't care what they are in relationships to you. If they're a human being, I'm talking to you. 
a friend, a family member, a spouse, or a child. At some point in that journey with that person, you will have to forgive them at some point. Do I got a witness in the room right now? Amen, if you believe that. That's the reason I re re uh, read the scripture, Matthew 18, 22, to you. Because there is no way that you're going to spend any length of time with another human being and you not have to forgive that person at some time on that journey. You see, mercy is forgiving someone who has wronged you when it is within your power to punish them. In other words, mercy. Each of us needs it frequently and we are happy when we get it. Am I right about that? When you need some mercy, you like it when, when people give you mercy. But what I have learned is that sometimes we are reluctant to give it to other people. Yes, sir, when we make a mistake, we say, man, please forgive me. Let's move past this. And, and we want them to give us uh, the, the extension of mercy and grace and forgive, forgive us, uh, forgiveness. But when the script is flipped and we have to now extend mercy and extend forgiveness, now we got to go and say, I don't know if I can forgive them this time. I don't know. And, and we begin to... Uh, uh, backpedal a little bit. You see, it is this ability to forgive. It is this ability to receive forgiveness that gives us hope in the future, even though we enter a hard season. What I mean by that, and I'm going to explain it, but let me just tell you, if I make a mistake with God, watch now, okay? If I make a mistake, if I sin, if I fall short of the glory of God, if God does not have the ability to forgive me, then I have no future, I have no destiny. Does that make sense? I'm dead in my sins right there. But the fact that it is possible for him to forgive me establishes my future and my destiny even though I make a mistake. Is that making sense to you? And we, all, and we offer that forgiveness now to others because we ourselves have been forgiven by Jesus. It is the fact that Jesus forgave us that gives us a hope, a plan, and a destiny. And it is the fact that you can offer forgiveness to somebody else that gives your relationship hope for the future. Oh, I just dropped a bomb on you're right there. I know you'll catch it tomorrow. Now watch. Even when we are going through seasons that seem senseless, God still has a plan. God still has ordered our steps. And some of you in here today or maybe watching my live stream right there in the TV world, things may have been a hard time, hard season in your family. But God will use what you've been through and he can turn it around for you to use in your future because there is a power found in forgiveness. And I have to believe that God God has not forsaken me. I have to believe that God has not forgotten me, forgotten about me. I have to believe that God can forgive me. I have to believe that because I'm not perfect either. And so what happens when the preacher sins? Come on, somebody. Oh, is that too much for you? Yeah, I, I, I have to go to the Lord and, and ask for forgiveness. I sometimes have to go to you and ask for forgiveness because I'm not perfect either. And so if I don't believe that Jesus can forgive me whenever I make a mistake, then I have no hope. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I have to believe that. I have to believe that I can make a mistake and still get back up again. So whatever season you're in, whatever process you're in, does not change who God is, but oftentimes it is meant to change us. In other words, the plans of God for our life has a goal attached to it, to make us more like Jesus, not to make Jesus more like you. Mm -hmm. I say that because when you enter a season of brokenness, we tend to we have a tendency to say,
say, God, you have changed. When we go through a hard time, we say, man, church just ain't what it used to be. We go through a hard time and we say, you know what? I read the Bible and it just isn't the same no more. I, I, I worship. It just isn't the same no more. As if God has changed. But Psalms 102 verse 27 tells us plainly that God doesn't change. You are the same. So it's not that God has changed. Uh, God, But what happens is we change. So forgiveness is a tough subject to preach in church because it seems like sometimes we who profess forgiveness the most often do it to each other the least often. Hmm. Forgiving others is rooted in God forgiving you. Here I go. I'm going to teach a little bit right here. Ephesians 1 7. Let me, give me about five minutes to, to really uh, lean into this. Your ability to forgive somebody else is rooted in the fact that God forgave you. So let's start right here. Ephesians 1 7. In him we have redemption. Will you say the word redemption with me? Redemption. Come on, say it out loud. In him we have redemption. Very key, very key. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What does the word redemption mean? It's a $5 Christian word. What does that word mean? When you look it up, it means this. The action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or the clearing of a debt. Did you catch, catch what I just said? Okay. The clearing of a debt, a debt, exchange of payment. That's that word right there. Who did Jesus pay in exchange for a debt? Who did he pay? His blood, for the, through his blood. What, where was his blood offered? Who was it offered to? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, same wording. Look what it says. Who gave himself a ransom. Who, who is ransoming us? Who is he paying to get us set free? Ransom for all to be testified in due time. Who did Jesus pay a ransom to? If you're saying to yourself, well... Um, Jesus paid uh, Satan the ransom to redeem us. That would be false. That would be false. When Jesus was on the cross, he did not pay no ransom to the devil. What Jesus did on the cross is he destroyed hell. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That was no ransom, friend. That was taking a sledgehammer to the devil's forehead. Colossians chapter 2 verse number 15 says it plainly. Having disarmed, that ain't paying a ransom. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it in other words who did he pay a ransom to he paid a ransom to God and you say wait a minute preacher you're confusing me he, he paid a ransom to God yes when you sin you begin you you owe you now owe God a debt that you cannot pay Hear me now. For the wages, the wages, the wages of sin is death. You see, and this is something, and I hope you hear me by the Holy Spirit right now. I hope you really hear me. Our sins are going to be judged by God. Okay? They're going to be judged by God one way or the other. Eventually, they're going to be judged by God. Every sin on this planet. In fact, if you go ahead and read in Revelations, go ahead and skip to the end of the book, you're going to read that he's going to send the, the final act of death, the final act of sin, the judgment of sin is going to be thrown into the lake of fire for an eternity. Okay? Whenever I sinned, I owed God a debt that I could not pay to get myself out of debt from God. 
Tracking with me now? So here comes Jesus who says, I have what Jason needs to get out of debt with God, and it's called his blood. Somebody say amen right there. But when you ask for and you receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus, God now forgives you of that sin. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to who? Come on, say it. He didn't offer that to the devil. Who did he offer it to? God. There it is. There it is. He offered it to God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He offered his blood in, for the exchange of your debt. Very important. So understand this. We could not in five lifetimes pay the debt we owe to God. In five, I don't care how good you are, how good many good works you have, you would never be able to pay off in five lifetimes the debt we owe to God. Therefore, Jesus shows up in 1 Peter 1.18 and he says, I will take care of this man's debt right here. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, Jesus didn't walk up to God and say, listen, Jason's going to die and bust hell wide open because he owes a debt to you that he can't pay. So here's 30 pieces of silver. No, sir. No, sir. We were not redeemed with silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions from your fathers. In other words, your good works. Right there. But we were redeemed. We were purchased. He paid the debt with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Are you hearing what I'm preaching this morning? Forgiveness from God. Forget forgiveness that we now offer to each other. He says in the the same way that you have received forgiveness from God through Jesus, we're to offer that to somebody else. Ooh, you better hear me. Sometimes, oh, sometimes it's hard to grow as a Christian with people you live with. Can y'all handle this this morning? <laughs> Why is it hard? To grow as a Christian with people that you live with. I will tell you. Because they see all of you. They see all of you. And when you see all of somebody. That means they see you when you are confessing Jesus. And they see you when you're cutting people's ears off. Hello Peter. <laughs> Hello Peter. So imagine. You know, we see you when you come to the altar and you accept Jesus and we're happy for you. We're happy. But we also see you in those moments of weaknesses when you kick the cat. Come on, somebody. You slam the door, whatever, whatever it is. And then we say, well, listen, I just saw you go to the altar this morning and here you are tonight, you know, kicking the cat. All right. That kind of hurts your witness a little bit. Come on. You ain't supposed to kick cats or slam doors, right? All right. But this is my point. This is what makes it difficult. This challenges your testimony. That is why the hardest people to win credibility with is the people you live with. Because they're so quick to judge us. They're so quick to say, well, I thought you got saved. I thought you this and I thought that. Not giving each other space. It can be a dangerous thing when other people watch you grow up spiritually. Oh, my goodness. Mm -mm. Let me tell you about one of the challenges it is in ministry. Understand, I came to this church when I was 24 years old. How many of you know I've grown a little bit from the age of 24 to 41, and I've done it in front of y'all? And we're still here. Praise the Lord. 
<laughs> but my, my point is, is in ministry, you grow up in front of people spiritually. You go make mistakes. You go fall. You go do crazy stuff. And if you don't offer forgiveness this way, and if I don't offer forgiveness that way, and if we don't offer forgiveness this way, you'll never make it. If you think somebody's going to come to this altar, get saved today, leave from here, and never make another mistake, friends, somebody has lied to you, and you're believing uh, something else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It can be dangerous to watch other people grow up spiritually. You will have some bumps along the way, and I'm feeling kind of bumpy in this room right now. Anyways, this is why Jesus lavishes his grace on us, and then he says, I want you to now in turn lavish your grace on others because shame is not a blessing. Guilt is not a blessing from God. You're not to walk around with shame and guilt upon your life, and if we're honest today, even if it appears that we have it all together, we we all have areas in our Christian life that need strengthening. Mm-hmm. So let me help you. You're not strange today because you have a because you have spiritual growing pains in your life. Truth is, those that are in ministry, truth is, those that we think have it all together, we struggle, I struggle, just like you struggle. Hmm? Yeah, listen, I have good days just like you have good days. I have bad days just like you have bad days. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I don't mind telling you the truth this morning. In fact, it kind of feels good for the preacher to tell the truth in church. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. But one thing is for sure. If God ever uses me, if God ever uses you, if God ever uses anybody, it's not because we're perfect people. It's not because we're perfect people. No matter the ministers that you listen to, no matter the books that you read, one of the things that, has, that everybody has in common is that every single one of us is human. <laughs> every single one of us is human. And if you put your faith and confidence in a human being, you're liable to be let down at some point in that journey. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So people will let you down. And if you put too much of your hope in a person that you watch on television, if you put too much hope on a book that you read, if you put too much hope on me, at some point in the time in that journey, you're going to lose a little bit of hope because we're all human. And if you get close enough to me, you're going to see some of my warts. Come on, somebody. Huh? Yeah, you're going to see some of my flaws. You're going to understand, well, Pastor Jason isn't, you know, whatever. whatever. That's fine. That's the reason I have to believe that God... God hasn't forsaken me. That's why I have to believe in the message of forgiveness. So if I make a mistake, I can go to my prayer closet and ask God to forgive me and get back up and keep going. Can y'all handle this this morning? Let me chase a rabbit about losing hope. Let me show you an example. Luke chapter 24, verse number 17. The context of this, and I challenge you, you can go back and read it later. It's a tremendous story. This is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. These two men are on the road to Emmaus' house, coming out of Jerusalem after that eventful weekend, what we consider as Easter. And so notice the wording here. I want you to see this, okay? Um, And Jesus, that's Jesus right there. And Jesus said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you're having with one another as you walk and are sad? Do you see that? They were sad. They they looked sad. They walked around sad. Their body language was one of sadness, okay? He walks up and says, why are you so sad? Verse 21, you can skip down. And this is why they were so sad. We were hoping. There it is. When you lose hope, 
in something, the natural response is sadness. We were hoping that it was he, talking about Jesus, it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Here we go. Somewhere during that last week of Jesus' life, somewhere during the trial and crucifixion, these two men lost their hope. What do you do in life when you begin to lose your hope in things that you were looking forward to? You wake up in the morning and you feel hopeless in your marriage. You feel hopeless in your life. You wake up and you go to work and you feel hopeless at that job. You go to church, you're watching online, or you, and you feel hopeless because of this world that we're living in. And it's hard to begin to praise God when you don't feel any hope. When all you see is problems, here is a man walking home who is now hopeless. We were hoping things would be different this time. I submit to you in the name of the Lord this morning that hell is after your hope. You better hear me. He's after your hope. Because as long as you have hope, you can always find a praise. And as long as you can find a praise down in your spirit, then that is a weapon that you can fight back against the enemy. I want to know this morning, is there anybody in this room that still has a little bit of hope in this house? Do you still have a little bit of praise left? Oh, your tank isn't completely empty. So let me challenge you in your seasons of brokenness. When you go through the ups and downs, don't lose your hope. Don't lose your praise. Jesus was walking with these men for seven and a half miles, and they failed to recognize him as Jesus. These two men are not part of the original 12 apostles, but they were disciples of Christ. Study it out, and you will recognize they knew who Jesus was. They sat under his teachings. They were around Jesus. They had a, there was more than acquaintance. They were followers. But here's the thing. They didn't recognize him. They had just went through a season. Listen to me now. They just went through a season that Jesus changed to them. Not as deity, not spiritually, but physically. This is his resurrected body that they're talking to. This was a new season. And it is true that when our life challenges us, when we go through life changes and something happens to us that we're not expecting, sometimes it can make it difficult for us to see God clearly in that new season of our life. Am I making sense to you? You have a car wreck or you have something happen in your family or something takes place, you name it, whatever it is, then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Before this happened, I was serving God. I was just loving Jesus, everything. And then this, this thing happened and I have a hard time getting my traction back. I have a hard time recognizing Jesus. Watch, these are the so these are the moments that you say, Lord, what is going on? Where are you at in my life? And so many times, human circumstances will alter our ability to recognize him. When we are in a dogfight spiritually, and let me tell you something, there are no vaccines for trouble. If you're waiting to get on some waiting list to get a vaccine for trouble, it ain't happening. You're going to walk through some stuff. There's, an, there's not enough money. There's not enough education. Whether you're living in uptown or downtown, everybody's going to walk through something. Go to the next slide. These two men watched Jesus die. Listen to me now. They had watched the torture of his body. They saw the whipping, beating, the nails, the thorns, the cross. They saw the dead, lifeless body. 
And as they were sitting there watching this scene play out, they were hoping that that man was going to bring back the restoration of their country. You see, it's easy. It's easy to trust Jesus whenever he's walking on the water. Come on, talk to me in here. It's easy to trust Jesus whenever he's healing the blind man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were hoping as he's turning water into wine, this was the man that's going to bring restore Israel. Watch now. But they watched their hope die on Calvary's hill. They thought this would work out a different way. But God had a greater plan. Watch now. So they had to watch their idea of Jesus die. Oh. People come to church. People try to serve God with an idea of who he is to their life. I thought Jesus was a Santa Claus and he's going to answer all my prayers and I ain't going to have no more worries. And as soon as something goes wrong, all of a sudden we say, this ain't the man I thought he was. His, your idea of him needs to die. Come on, somebody. And you need to read this word and understand who this man is right here. And you're not going to be able to manipulate God to make it fit your idea of who he is. Are you, are you tracking with me this morning? All right. All right. Now watch. Watch. Their plan had to die. Their plan had to die. Their opinions had to die. My God. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting right now. You're either saying, oh my, you're asleep or you're, something's going on right now. Listen to me. These two men's hearts were broken. They were crushed. We were hoping. They thought Jesus would come and set them free from Roman rule and oppression and reestablish the nation of Israel to that of King David. They saw him only as the deliverer of the Jews, but he did not come just to deliver the Jews. He came for the whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He didn't just come for the Jews. Come on somebody. He came for you as well. And so for seven and a half miles Jesus expounded the scriptures. He preached himself from Moses all the way through the Old Testament the prophets. And for seven and a half miles Jesus talked with these individuals about himself. Their loss of hope did not offend Jesus. Oh my goodness. Their loss of hope did not make Jesus mad at them. You may be walking through a hopeless situation, but I want you to know something. I want you that Jesus will still show up right beside you and he'll say, let me help you. Let me show you. He still spoke to them. And I don't know about you, but I will testify that I am only here today because he never stopped talking to me. Even whenever I was lost and I was a sinner, whenever I would lay my head down at night, I still heard a small, still voice in my heart, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit still speaking to me. Come on, can anybody testify to that? Oh, he kept talking to me. He kept walking with me, man. He did my, even though I, I did things that would grieve the Holy Spirit, he still, he kept talking. He kept loving. He kept walking. Hear me by the Holy Ghost. Jesus is with you right now. Oh, if you He'll listen to him. He'll keep talking to you right now. Even if you came in here uh, grieving him, he'll still be wooing you back to him. I say all that to say this right here. Go to the next slide. Learn how to forgive. I say all that to say, learn how to forgive. You're going to have to forgive somebody. 
at some point. If you want a long-standing relationship with your children, with your spouse, you will have to learn the act of forgiveness. You will have to forgive them for being human because they will probably have to forgive you at some point in the journey as well. Mm -hmm. So the relationship only survives through forgiveness. Marriage will not work without it. If you came uh, to the uh, conference yesterday and you heard those individuals talk about that, that point. If you see the, these couples, though, that are floating around on, on, in the clouds all the time. Come on, somebody. Are they, they, they never seem to have a problem. Come on. Uh, they're just it's all lovey-dovey songs, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Come on. huh? They, they, they just speak in lullabies. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? Hey that ain't gonna last for no 25 years you go roll over one day and say lord look at this mess right here come on somebody <laughs> hey at some point they're gonna do something that's gonna hurt your feelings they're gonna do something that's gonna let you down and you're gonna have to learn how to forgive come on talk to me in here people who have been married for 50 years plus do so because of forgiveness people who succeed in parenting do so because of forgiveness people who succeed in ministry do so because of forgiveness we must learn to love imperfect people next slide we must learn how to love imperfect people this morning remember this right here as the praise team makes their way up remember the prodigal son's question now you know what it means whenever I say I'm about to close to all of our guests it it don't mean nothing all right so just take your time praise the Lord I'm just trying to keep you with me right here remember the prodigal son's question his question was this right here will the father take me back wrong that was the question that was the question he knew he was wrong he knew he was wrong he, he knew what he did, but the question was, is will the father take me back wrong? And I believe that's the question we all deal with. Those watching my live stream, we know. We don't need anybody to come tell us what we're doing is wrong. We know. We, most of the people in this room, you probably have been in church at least once in your life. You've been to a VBS, something. You know. So the question then becomes, even though I know that I'm wrong, will the Father still take me back? But my question is this right here. What is church anyways? What do you see in this room? What are we? What are we in this place? Are, are, we peop are we people who did not, did not need forgiveness? Is that who we are? Are we a group of people in here who never needed the forgiveness of God? Are we made up of perfect people in this room? Are we made up of perfect marriages in this room? Are we made up of perfect children that all of our children are just perfect? Huh? Talk to me in here. Is that who we are? No, that's not who we are. Let me tell you who we are. We all came home wrong. Did you hear what I just said? Every single. Every single person in this room at one time or another got up from their own pig pit and we walked our tail right into church someplace and we all came home wrong, baby. Woo! Yeah, throw rocks if you want to. We all came home wrong. We all did something. We are all ex-something, ex-sinner or something, man. We all had to get up and walk in here knowing that we had to get forgiveness from God. You can sit there if you want to, but I'm going to praise God this morning. The church is made up of people that needed forgiveness. Woo, and if
if you want to see a wart, here it comes. Let us never act like we never needed to be forgiven of anything. Because if I ever feel that spirit around me, I'm going to challenge it. You better hear me. We got to humble ourselves and remember where God brought you from too. My God. I never want to lose that inside of me. Maybe our real testimony would do people more good than to pretend what we want them to see about us. Let the real message be that the same God that brought me out of my mess can bring you out of your mess too. Let the message be that it takes time to walk out the holiness of God. Let me tell you where that comes from. Miss Katrina, listen to me now. We come from the same church. They're visiting this morning. I'm from a small church, El Bethel. Most of you guys know that. Hear me what I just said now. I'm going to help you. It takes time to walk out the holiness of God. This is what I'm thinking about. So I was raised up in a small church, about 70 folks, all right? And everybody in there, listen, growing up there, man, they had been saved longer than I've been alive. Like all of them. You understand what I'm saying? All right? Okay, and so here I come bumbling along, all my issues, teenagers, and you know all that mess. And I'm hearing people, you know, down in that part of the world, there's a lot of uh, a lot of holiness, you know, still back in those days, and it still is down there, like no makeup type of stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't know nothing about that. I just floored some of y'all right there, didn't I? So some of the testimonies you might hear in some of the churches down there would be like, "The Lord has delivered me from television." And I'm thinking, dear God, television, I'm never going to make this thing. I'm never going to deliver them from, you know, chewing gum and whatever. I don't know crazy stuff. I didn't know that stuff was sins back in the, you know, I'm like, you know, and listen, nothing, listen, if God, you know, does that for you. I don't watch TV much anymore, so I understand what they're talking about now. But whenever I was 18, 19 years old, I was not struggling with watching television. I ain't going to tell you what I was struggling with, but you can probably guess three or four things, and it wasn't television. You understand? Y'all, take that halo off your head. Come on. Just take it on off. Y'all. All right. And so I'm thinking, there's no way that I can be saved because I'm listening to some 60, 70, 80-year-old women and men who is being delivered from stuff that I didn't even know I had an issue with. And so it's, I struggled with that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, so later though, later in life, I begin to recognize that Miss Ma Al, come on somebody, she hadn't always been as holy as she is now. Come oh, I begin to find out the real story that when they were in their 20s and their 30s, they were tripping in just like I was. Come on. It would have done me more good to hear the real story about the struggles than how holy they are now. Oh, it would have gave me some hope, man. It would have let me know that this is going to take some time to walk it out. And I may stumble. I may trip. But, man, just keep walking. Keep going. Don't worry. God will forgive you. He will forgive you. And you don't got to throw in the towel because you make a mistake. It's a journey. It takes time to walk out the holiness of God. And even when you think you have attained some special status with God, 
Remember the words of Paul, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. This is the man writing the Bible. This is the man who had uh, such deep revelations that he couldn't even talk about it, okay? And he says, after all of the success of ministry, after the miracles, signs, and wonders, after everything that God used him through, he says in Philippians 3, 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I have not crossed a finish line where all of a sudden I'm never going to get to a point that I don't need to be forgiven ever again. But one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Next verse. I press toward the, the, the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul made mistakes. Read the Bible. And God still used that man right there. And God can still use you. Every time that God blesses you, do not think that it comes because you are so good. Anytime you feel the favor of God, anytime you feel the blessings of God, what your testimony needs to say is if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side. So I'm done right here. Forgiveness begins with knowing the forgiver. We all needed the blood applied to our life. And this morning, if you will repent from your sins, Jesus says to you, I will, I will forgive you. I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. I think about a kid. If you tell your kid, don't eat the cookies, okay? You tell them three times. And you walk in there and they got crumbs all over their mouth. Okay? And it makes you mad because you done told them. Don't eat the cookies. They disobeyed you. And you go to Whipple. Watch now whether you believe in Whipple or not. Just, you know. But you go to spank them, whatever. And then all of a sudden they start repenting. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry. I just couldn't help it. You know, it was just there. And I'm sorry, Mama. You know, and they start crying. And, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, your heart breaks. Because a kid who knows how to repent real good, you don't really want to get on to them much, right? And if you do, you don't spank them hard, right? Right? Listen, one of the qualities of King David... We don't, need to look, we don't need to do what King David did in, in, the, in the sense of his testimony, all right? The Bathsheba thing. But the thing that you take away from it is King David knew how to repent really good. Whenever he got exposed, King David said, Lord, have mercy on me. He ran to the altar. He said, Lord, I've blown it. I've blown it. Please forgive me. I'm not hiding. He asked for mercy. He asked for grace. And guess what? Guess what? He received it. So this morning, if you need forgiveness, Jesus says, I will forgive you. Amen. You receive that. Put your hands together. Stand all across this room. We hope you have enjoyed today's message. For more information about the Revival Center, visit us on the web at RevivalCenterHG.com.